Hello and welcome to Connecting You to You Radio, where we tune in to receive the messages of health and well-being that are being broadcast from the soul. I'm your host, Lisa Warner, author of The Simplicity of Self-Healing. I show you how to heal your body naturally by combining your body's innate intelligence with the wisdom of your own soul so that you can break through the mental programming of limiting beliefs that cause disease and make healing your body and changing your life simple. And welcome, welcome to another Solution Sunday, because being the soul you are, the grand being of light you are, is the solution. Today, I am here with my good friend, Rochelle Babbler. Rochelle is masterful at using her voice in speaking up, in advocating, in singing. And then she also teaches people how to be on the TEDx stage so they can share their stories with the world. Rochelle is a TEDx speaker herself and has all kinds of incredible wisdom to share by using her voice. So here she is today to speak with us. Rochelle, thank you for coming and being with us today. Thank you, Lisa, for having me. <laughs> Excited to be here. Yeah, it's so great to have these conversations, you know, bringing health is so much more than just our physical health, you know, yeah. we have to look at the health of the planet, we have to look at the health of ourselves. And it has never been healthy to not be able to speak our truth. And, yeah. you know, my experience has been, you know, when I used to speak my truth, my, my truth seemed so different than everybody else's truth that a lot of times I got scolded or reprimanded or, you know, told that I was wrong. Or, and that happened so many times that I just stopped speaking. I decided it's better to just shut up and not say anything than to get the backlash you know, be, be criticized and critiqued and reprimanded. And so it started a really kind of a lifelong process of just like being afraid to speak and holding everything I knew to be true inside. I would look at the external world and go, that's not the way it should be. Like, this isn't true, but I wouldn't speak up because- yeah it was not safe for me to speak out. So yeah. I love that you are helping to speak out and helping children to, to speak out, speaking out on behalf of kids. So yeah. tell us a little bit about your story and what you do and how you help people. So I grew up in San Diego and um, I still live here. And uh, after high school, I was always drawn to medicine and was a student trainer in high school and in college and thought I would become a physical therapist. And then my, my, my decisions took a turn and I became an EMT. Then I became a paramedic and I did, you know, emergency medicine for about six years and contract negotiations were coming up. So many of us weren't going to get picked up. So a lot of us start going back to school and I, took a class in forensics and got hooked. And I was in forensics for almost 20 years. And um, that was a very interesting field. Both of them were, I mean, both of them taught me a lot about, you know, not only life and people, but that things can change in an instant. And, um, and after um, working in forensics, you know, I was at the height of my career. I was doing a lot of research, teaching all over the country and teaching a class I created and, um, you know, I was flying back from a forensic meeting from New York to San Diego, and um, I decided on that flight I was going to quit my job. And I quit cold turkey. I was 46. Everybody's like, you're having a midlife crisis. And I'm like, no, this was my midlife awakening. And I knew there was more for me to do in this lifetime. And a catalyst to me quitting was in 2008, I was diagnosed with a brain tumor. 
And that really started my personal development work. I started to do things I'd never done before, like meditations, visualizations, affirmations, because I would have done anything to get rid of that thing in my head. Um, you know, I had a very different mindset at the time. It was focused on, you know, you know, finding the the medicine that would, you know, that would help fix my my diagnosis. And I had a newborn, an 18-month-old. I was married. And, you know, it was a really difficult time for me. Um, but that was such a huge gift because had I not had that diagnosis, I would not have started all the things that I started. And so from diagnosis to me quitting my job, I'd been meditating for years. And, you know, meditation, I, I believe, is our superpower. It's our internal GPS. It guides us through this thing called life. Um, it helps us with questions, with challenges, you know, just with a lot, so many things and, um, nurturing that inner voice over those years, really, you know, when I was on that flight coming back from New York to San Diego, my in intuition, my inner voice was screaming at me. It was like, it is time. It's time for you to do something else. And so I made that decision and became an entrepreneur and I've been an entrepreneur since 2017, so about six years now. And because I spoke in forensics a lot, um, I gravitated towards supporting speakers. And so I did a lot of outreach for clients for, you know, connecting them to events, conferences to speak, to podcasts. And um, about four years ago, I got hired with a company that uh, specifically works with clients on getting clear on their idea for the TEDx stage. So um, that's what I've been primarily doing for the past several years, but I'm also a musician and love music. I have a band here in San Diego when we play 70s, 80s, 90s cover tunes. Mm -hmm. And um, in probably like uh, eight, nine, eight years ago or so, I started writing music with my guitar instructor and, and um, you know, I music is powerful. We all know this. Um, it can really bring people together and you know it's the one thing that can kind of unify us um regardless of like certain things religion politics what your beliefs are like if you're at a concert you're all there for music having a good time and nobody cares about anything else and um so it's been fun to really help people you know share their voice and use their voice on the TEDx stage or through music, sharing their story through music. Um, and then, you know, also I, you know, my whole lifetime, I feel like I've been an advocate, whether it's, you know, being an advocate for patients as a paramedic or an advocate for the truth and forensics. And, you know, during my health issue, I advocated for myself and I've helped others as well. Um, but advocacy has always been a part of me. So, you know, during the last several years with COVID and I have two children and them doing distance learning, it really opened up my eyes to the educational system and like what is being taught to our kids. So, um, you know, my advocacy has really shifted into advocating for, um, you know, student success, um, transparency for parents and for parental rights. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. You know, it's, it's very, I don't have kids in the school system. I'm really thankful for that <laughs> at this point, you know, because what I'm watching, you know, what I'm, what I'm hearing, what I'm seeing um, is going on in the school system is really quite horrific. Yeah. And I think that most parents, well, I shouldn't say most, there are many parents that absolutely trust the school system and if they absolutely blindly trust the school system they're going to fight for the school system and yeah. in uh, in doing so they are inadvertently sabotaging their own children yeah yeah i mean it's really it's a time more than ever where parents really need to get involved in their schools see the look at the syllabus of what the teacher is teaching look at the content look at the books look at the you know and just take a look and take a few minutes to see like what they're teaching your child and go into their you know my kids have this online software program that they go into for their assignments and 
and, you know, their, you know, curriculum and all that stuff that they're given by a teacher and like really looking into that and, and seeing what they're being taught. Um, and it wasn't until COVID, <clears throat> excuse me, you know, I, I live in an area in San Diego where we specifically moved to this area because we were told it was the best school district in the county. And, you know, it has had a great reputation, but over COVID, when I was sitting and listening to my children be taught their school because they were home and I would hear it, then it started like just piquing my curiosity as to like, what's, why is, why is this being taught or why is this being said or, you know, and that just kind of like really opened up my eyes to, um, you know, the type of things that were being shared, but weren't being shared with parents. Um, wow. Can you give us some examples of that? Like, cause I know there are a lot of people on that are listening to this that don't have kids in school and like, aren't really, don't really know yeah. what's being taught. I'm, I'm not sure what you're referring to. So can you give us some examples? Yeah. So, you know, when they got back to school, um, I started, you know, watching the board meetings more and listening to other, the public comments where people can come in and speak up and, and listening to like these issues. And I heard a parent uh, speak at one and she talked about this book that was read out loud to her child in class. And the content was just totally inappropriate. It had tons of profanity it had, um, you know, sexually graphic um, scenes, an attempt to rape, human trafficking, um, all these things. And she was reading parts of the book and I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that that's being taught in class. And how and I, do you think her child was? Her child was in 10th grade. Now my child was in ninth grade. And after that meeting, after watching it, I looked that night in my son's backpack and that book was in his bag. And I was like, oh my gosh, my son has this book. And then I emailed the principal, vice principals. Um, and then I got connected, you know, and I asked them about it and they connected me to the teacher and the teacher said, this is, you know, has been approved by the district. It's uh, required you know, one of the required books, um, I believe now for ninth grade. And, um, and her, I think her response was more alarming than anything, because she said something to the effect that when there were heavy topics in the book, they would prep the students and get them kind of ready for these scenes or whatever they were reading to them. And if, you know, things were too hard for them or heavy for them, they could step outside. And I'm thinking if a child has to step outside, that content is totally inappropriate. Exactly. And so this book had already been read to my son. I had no idea. Um, and it was just, you know, and regardless, and, and the, here's the thing about like, this really like ignited my advocacy in, in the school districts because it is so important to me that the school is transparent about what they're teaching children. I don't care if you think it's appropriate or if you don't think it's appropriate, it doesn't matter. It's about being transparent and parents have a right, they have a constitutional right as to what is being taught to their children around human sexuality. Or, you know, they, they kind of tie these books and curriculum to, well, these are real life issues and these are, you know, um, diverse, different backgrounds of different people. But the thing is, is that what happens if a child is in this class who's being raped or sexually abused at home and you're reading these very um, highly charged, you know, sexually charged content to a child who's already being traumatized by this, you know, like it, it just makes no sense to me. There's hundreds, maybe thousands of other books that might be more, more um, better suited for children that have more educational merit post pandemic when these kids are coming off of two years of being socially isolated. Mental health is at its highest. Like, why are we? giving them all this really garbage to me. There's no educational merit in it. Uh, 
to, you know, to really, I don't, I just don't understand it. And again, it doesn't, whether you think it's okay or not, um, it's not the issue. It's why aren't we being told that this stuff, because Lisa, the thing is, is, and I share this at a board meeting is, you know, they're, they're, handbook dress for success book, you know, says you can't wear clothes to school that have profanity or sexually suggestive. That's a rule. You get in trouble if you do. And then if you have a PG-13 movie being shown in class, a parent has to give their permission for their child to watch it. But there's rated R like content and we don't even know about it. (laughs) So this is where like when, and, and I, you know, I believe that when you're hiding stuff, there's an agenda. Yes. So it's very, it's being hidden from parents. Parents have no idea. I mean, I still talk to parents who had no idea, like some of the stuff that, and it's not just books, it's, it's other content, it's um, propaganda, it's, it's other things as well that have no clue that, you know, um, it's being taught. And then, you know, kids were being given surveys, I believe are illegal. You can't ask a child, you know, questions without like a parent's permission too. And, you know, kids in middle school were getting these surveys that, you know, were asking them, you know, what their, what their um, pronouns were, what their name was. And then, you know, the questions were asked, well, if we talk to your parents, what is your pronouns or what is your, what do you want to your name? So it's, it's like this separation of parent and child. And, you know, you can trust us, the education system, but, you know, it's, it's creating this, this kind of wedge. And I, I don't like that. I think it's totally inappropriate and wrong. Um, You know, it, and again, it goes back to transparency and like letting parents know like what, what they're doing with our children. So um, those are just a couple of examples. Um, there's many, many issues in my school district that we're, you know, finding out. Um, I think misappropriation of funds. Um, you know, we've had several parents speak out lately on different issues that are just really, really awful. Um and so it's it's a multitude of things. But when you start to dig deep and kind of look down rabbit holes of different areas, um, you start to find some serious problems. So, and, you know, I'm not saying all teachers are bad in no way. There's many, many, many great teachers. And there's a lot of teachers that don't like what's happening that are being told you have to do this because we, we have a parent organization we started. And, you know, there's a lot of teachers that reach out who are afraid to speak out because, you know, the teachers unions are very, very, um, powerful and um but they share with us stuff that's going on so that we can bring awareness because really that's what we want to do to the community is just bring awareness so people can make the best decision for their family um and if they're not okay with it they can speak up and share but you know it's interesting because I find that a lot of parents and a lot of like teachers and are so afraid to speak up. Parents are afraid to speak up because they don't want their child targeted. And teachers are afraid to speak up because they don't want to get fired or, you know, something happened to their job. So it's a really interesting time. Yeah, it's such a, it's a vicious circle. And, you know, we end up not speaking up and then we pay the price for not speaking up. Yeah. It's really sad, you know, in my in my line of of work where I teach people about self-healing, you know, what causes dis-ease and yeah. how we can heal. It's very, very obvious that our emotional trauma causes the physical things. Yeah. When we, you know, for me, it's very easy to have, um, um, you know, an observer object, like be an objective, objective observer of the schools and what's actually happening, you know, because I'm not involved. 
but I can see a direct correlation between the content that you're talking about and the whole transgender thing, because the, the, the inappropriate, the sexual shock of being shown pornography when you're not ready for it will literally cause hits on the brain. It will cause um, multiple conflicts simultaneously, which then creates the transgender thing, the confusion about it's, a, it's an emotional response. So these children are being groomed for this agenda, which is so incredibly sad. Yeah, it's, um, you know, again, it's, it's just something parents need to really start getting more involved in, get involved in your PTA, get involved, um, be a volunteer at school, read the stuff that's, you know, being, you know, taught to your child. Um, and, you know, it, it's, it's an interesting time too, because I feel right now, I was just talking to somebody about this recently that, you know, if you speak out on certain things, you're automatically labeled something. And the labeling today has just gotten out of control. Like you cannot, you know, and I think that's why a lot of parents don't want to speak up because if you speak out on this type of curriculum, you're deemed anti-LGBTQ, transphobic, you know, all these things, which I'm not, I have family that's gay. I love them. I don't, I believe everybody should be who they want to be and love who they want to love. And it, you know, it was really hurtful for me because I, I did speak out and I was interviewed by the news and the news spun it to look a certain way. And I got, you know, some hate comments and emails and it was not fun. Um, and, but, you know, we've got to like, really just, I think if we collectively could allow others to have their own experience whether you agree with it or not, you know, the world would be such a better place because, you know, this is how I feel and this is how they feel and, and, you know, allow them to have their, you know, own experience and, and their own, whatever they feel about certain things. But, but the labeling has been like, so, you know, and even kids, like if you don't agree with certain things, um, you know, you're labeled something and kids are just wanting to be accepted so bad that they feel the pressure to, oh, I have to believe this or I have to, it's almost like, I just feel like they're teaching kids to group think, yes. you know, you group think exactly. and then, you know, everything's okay. Right. If you know, yeah. we have a, a society of non-critical thinkers then yeah. it's very easy to control people who are just hypnotized and have no critical thinking skills. Yeah. And it's really sad to really. see what's happening. You yeah. Know? And really, as humanity, we have not been treated as sacred beings for a very, very, very long time. We yeah. are, you know, we have been divided first by by gender, whether we're male or female, and then we're divided, you know, by young and old, we're divided by countries, we're divided by languages, we're divided by political rhetoric now, we're divided by all kinds of things. And divide and conquer is an actual strategy yeah. in war. And mm -hmm. most people have no idea that there's really a, a war being fought on this planet and has nothing to do with Russia and Ukraine. I know. It's a war against humanity that most of humanity is not quite seeing yet. Yeah, and I I think too the big thing is it's kind of a spiritual war because you know who wants to teach a child to be a sovereign being? Exactly. You know, if they're a sovereign being, then they're going to yeah think on their own and be able to critically think. And I I really think a lot of what I'm seeing right now is control is like the big thing. Want to control a generation of kids that have to a depend on the government, depend on medications, pharma, um, you know, all that stuff. So it's just it's a really interesting time because there's a lot of people speaking out. You know, um, um, 
you know, on different types of social issues and topics and stuff. And uh, it's, it's, they're so, they just seem to be such divisive topics for so many people, you know, whether it's, um, you know, the inappropriate content or um, the other types of curriculum that they're bringing into the school districts. Um, it's like, if you're not for it, you're against it or, you know, it, it's just so it's just a weird time <laughs> seeing all this stuff going on. <laughs> yes, it's a very chaotic time on this planet as we as we go through this major shift of consciousness that's happening. This is the time of the great awakening. And, yeah. you know, some people are now awake and they actually see like, wait a second, this is this doesn't have to happen like this. This world doesn't have to be in a state of war. We don't have to have people traumatized. Like we can do yeah. far, far better than this. Yeah. And, you know, luckily, you know, I'm grateful my kids are older, to be honest, because they're old enough to be able to discern, I hopefully, between truth and not truth, between indoctrination and, you know, grooming. Um mm -hmm. You know, I talk to them a lot about this stuff and they know that I'm outspoken in the district. I think they're a little tired of it. And, that, you know, both of them being teens, I, I, I can see that, you know, if, if their friends see me speaking out, it might portray a certain thing, you know, with, with them. Um, so I'm mindful of that. I don't talk to them as much about it, but I told them I'm not going to stop because this is what I believe in. And I want to teach them that when you stand, you know, when you really believe in something, it's, it's, it's good to speak out. So they, I mean, they're supportive, but you know, I think at times I talk about it too much. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, but like, we have to, we have to be able to protect the children. Yeah. You know, as parents, it's yeah. it's our job to protect yeah. the children. Yeah. And, you know, the the normal blueprint is, you know, that we have a family, a father and a mother and children, and then we have extended family as the children grow up and they have children. You know, that's yeah. the, the original blueprint is yeah. that the family and the community raise the children and that everybody has their role and you know but that has all gotten divided the families yeah. have been divided the generations have been divided and the children no longer have that stability they don't yeah. have the ability to just speak to their parents because there's a these generation gaps and you know yeah. it's very difficult these days yeah yeah. And I, you know, they're both teens. So they're going through a lot, you know, themselves going through the teen stages and stuff. And, yeah, you know, I, I know. That, <laughs> yeah. Um, and I know that, you know, I'm passionate about this because, um, you know, I'm, I'm there to serve. I'm here to serve a different role at this time for them, you know, and to not just be okay with everything and, and be their best friend. And, you know, all those things really, um, just share from what I'm seeing and, you know, what I'm passionate about and not tolerating, uh, certain things. Cause I just feel like, um, we've got to create some change for that future generation of kids. Cause the ones that, like I said, who have no idea what's going on, it's just a really, those children are going to, you know, who knows what's going to happen <laughs> to some of them. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's amazing. You know, we look at, we look out at the world and we, you know, we see these wars and disasters and diseases and destruction, and it does not have to be this way. You know, it's, this is the time of the great awakening where we, we, the ones who are starting to awaken, the ones who do see that it doesn't have to be this way. Like the only way is for us to speak up and to speak out and to start showing people that there is a different way, that what yeah. we're currently doing is not working. Divide and conquer is killing us. Yeah, I know the the focus of all these like outside 
curriculum and things that are coming in, um, it's just really interesting because like, I don't know, looking back at school, I know that there's probably classes I didn't really need to succeed in life. Um, but again, you know, if we look at a post-pandemic world for children, what they need right now is, you know, just a lot of nurturing, a lot of um, like confidence building, um, you know, critical thinking skills um, so that they can manage the world when it gets chaotic. Um, you know, I mean, a dream of mine would be to have meditation in every every school on the planet um, because I feel like, you know, if every child could be taught to, um, you know, go within when things get loud on the outside, like our world would just be so different. Exactly. You know, I had my my own personal story is just, you know, I've, I've told it a lot, but, you know, when I was very little, I would go to bed at night and I would just be part of the unified field. And it was just all love and light. And I knew that was what everybody talks about as God and yeah. is the eternal everlasting source of all life. And from mm -hmm. that space, I could look at the earth and I could go, wow, those people are not doing that on this planet. They're not living in in accordance with natural laws. And I could see very clearly that humanity was asleep, that basically they were in a state of amnesia. And yeah. I knew clearly that school was where the programming started. And I never wanted to go to school because I didn't want to be programmed. And it was very clear to me that that's what was going to happen. But I had no course, you know, four or five years old, like, you know, with a mother who was a teacher is like, I didn't stand a chance. Like I had to go into the programming. And so I just thought, well, I'm just going to have to go into the programming and try to figure out how to fit in because this is like, I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand any of this stuff. Cause this is, this makes no sense to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It definitely, you know, school teaches, you know, school teaches a lot of things. There can be good things, but, um, you know, it teaches a lot about obedience and following the rules. And, you know, it's not about ingenuity or curiosity and creativity and things like that. I mean, there are some things, but, you know, they're cutting back on a lot of those those type of curriculum um and then putting in these other things so um yeah it's just uh it's just a different world you know for our kids and um you know technology put that on top of everything and you know i walk i walk around my place every morning and i see the kids walking to school and every kid's got their head down buried in their phone and and, um, you know, you see it at restaurants, you see it everywhere. And, you know, I just think these kids, I was reading about something, there's like a, I think a organization that was trying to create a movement of, for parents to, you know, not have their kids on technology until they're older, which I think is great. Um, because, you know, it seems like kids are getting technology younger and younger and we waited till our kids were 13 and they were literally like one of the only kids without a phone, but we waited because we wanted to, you know, just not, you know, wait until they were a little bit more mature and old enough to be able to handle a device like that because, you know, those devices so get kids into very big trouble. Um, and uh, so, yeah, it's just, there's so many things that are in our children's space and we don't need more noise for them we don't need all this confusion and um you know indoctrination and grooming or whatever it might be um it's actually disgusting to me i think it's a crime against humanity yes, and yes. because these are children and they're innocent and they're they're just looking to, for guidance and for somebody to teach them and um, again, there's a lot of great teachers. I'm not saying there's, you know, they're all like that, but the ones that have had, you know, we've heard of and have had some issues with, they don't get fired, you know, they stay in the school system. They might just get shuffled to another school. We've seen that happen in our district and it's awful.
Yeah, it's just, it's very, very sad what has happened to humanity, but the future is actually very, very bright when we, when we see the people, you know, like us who are, who are aware of what's going on, who are starting to speak out, who are starting to shine our light, who are starting to pave a different pathway forward, you know, yeah. coming back into alignment with nature. You know, one of the things about the technology is that we're not out in nature anymore. We're not learning from the natural world around us. Yeah. And, you know, we're the, you know, it's it's proven that the television is programming all of us and we get a very, very distorted view of the world. And mm -hmm. we don't see what's actually natural and possible and the beauty we're not, you know, the beauty isn't shown all, you know, we're showing the dark side all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, you know, California, we're kind of hit hard here with a lot of stuff, <laughs> Yes, especially the bills that are being passed by our government here um, to, take away parental rights. Um, it's awful. But I also see so many people rising up, you know, so many parent organizations, you know, grassroots organizations that are really stepping up to, you know, um, create better change for our children. And even children, I've seen students speak at board meetings and just be brave and like, you know, and it all creates one, that creates the ripple effect. So, you know, amongst all, all the chaos and the, you know, the noise and things, um, I think there's a lot of great things happening. And, um, you know, and a lot of parents are are seeing it too and pulling their kids out. I think enrollment has gone down quite a bit for public schools here in California and either private school or homeschooling. And um, so, yeah. Yeah. We're seeing, we're seeing good change as a result of yeah, not some fun stuff. <laughs> it's like when we stop participating in the things that divide and conquer, when we stop participating in the things that are meant for our our demise or our harm, then those things go away. You know, when it no longer has our energy behind it, then it will go away. You know, yeah, and, yeah, and I sorry, I um, you know, I want to just share with people like if you feel like you want to speak out on something, whatever the issue might be, I just always tell myself like before I go to a board meeting and speak out, like what are my intentions? If my intentions aren't in the right place, then I probably shouldn't be speaking out. If my intentions are to help children bring awareness, you know, all those things, then my intentions are good. So. When your intentions are good, you can never be wrong. Exactly. Yes. You know, when it's for the greater good, when it's for the empowerment of humanity, when it's yes. for peace and well-being, it's always good to speak out. You know, yeah. When we're trying. And don't be afraid. You're, there's going to be other people that resonate with you and probably agree with you that, you know, don't feel like they can speak out, but it all always takes that one person to just say something and that creates the ripple effect and the movement and, and more people. And, and we're starting to see our community grow and become more aware. We have a lot of grandparents that are starting to come to board meetings and help us out because they see what's happening to their grandkids. And so it's just, you know, really interesting to see like, you know, the people that are now wanting to help our organization and volunteer and, um, so it's it's nice to see that you know there's there are more of us I think um, we are you know that really probably feel the same way on many of these issues and you know some a lot of these issues should not be um, you know political it's really has nothing to do with left or right it's about your right as a parent I mean everybody should be concerned with that if you have children. Exactly, and the rights of the children to live their best lives to not. Yeah. Be coerced and controlled and programmed and yeah it's it's very um it's just sad to see what's happened to humanity but uh, you know. yeah and if you don't like it you've got to get involved to create change um you know because you know there's a lot of parents I think 
well, they're taking care of it. They're, they're doing, you know, they're speaking out and they're doing it, but it, it doesn't quite cut it. Like it needs to be numbers, like numbers speak volume. So if you, um, you know, you know, even if you don't want to speak out, just get involved, you know, get involved in your community, what they're doing to help, you know, make the school system better for kids or, you know, tackle certain issues. Exactly. You know, and there are a lot of people that are speaking out on the TEDx stage on many, many topics to help raise awareness and start shining light from the TEDx stage. Yeah. So how does that, how does that world work? Yeah, so the TEDx stage is is interesting because it's it's a little bit of a different focus. It's not like your typical stage or keynote talk or anything like that. TED's slogan is ideas worth spreading. So they want to see people who have an idea that can get people to take action, um, think differently, feel differently, maybe have a different perspective on something, a stigma. Um, so what idea is it that you can share that can get other people to feel a certain way um, and, you know, for the betterment of humanity? Uh, so, you know, my team and I, we help clients get clear on that idea because a lot of people want to do TEDx talk. They're like, I've been wa always wanted to do that or it's on my bucket list. But, you know, really less than 5% will make it to the TEDx stage because it's a very competitive stage. So my team likes, um, we help clients uh, position them in front of TEDx organizers with a clear idea, clear content content messaging of their idea, like what it all looks like. Um, there's a lot of questions that TEDx events will ask and we, we help put that together for our clients so that when they start applications, like they have all that information and it's all crystal clear. So when an organizer is screening hundreds of applications, their idea, um, you know, will stand out in some way and uh, be clear for the organizer to see. So um, we help from idea to stage and uh, my business partner, he helps with the framework of the talk and stage prep memorization techniques and all the things that you need to do to get ready when you actually go do your TEDx talk. I'm a TEDx speaker, so I've been through the whole process. Um, my partner, Tucker, he, um, has been on the organizing side of a, an event too for has 10 years of experience. So collectively we have a lot of experience around TEDx and, and it's a great stage to get your message out on a global stage. That's well-respected, has a lot of credibility. When people know that you're a TEDx speaker, your, your social proof just is elevated because people know TEDx is, is a big stage. So, you know, if you speak, you can start charging more. Um, if your talk goes viral, you know, the opportunities are endless. And we've seen clients um, whose talks went viral or they got accepted to multiple stages to talk. So, you know, like it's just a lot of fun and it's a kind of a legacy piece, I think, too, because that TEDx talk will be there forever for generations to come. So you never know how long your message is going to be creating an impact for the world. Exactly. You never know what ripple effect it's going to make, you know, who, yeah. who it's going to inspire and, you know, what other ideas are going to be inspired from that. Yeah. So it's it's a lot of fun. I, I like anything where we're using like one of our most powerful tools. <laughs> exactly. And music is another way of using that powerful tool. And you write some of your own songs, too. Yeah, I write some of my own songs. I've written some for some clients. Um, actually, um, it's it the songs that I've written are really more around their stories, but something that they want to advocate for. So it all started when my sister passed away from colon cancer, and I wrote a song just to you know channel my grief the day after she died, and um, I used that to create awareness for colon cancer after she passed away. And, you know, it created a lot of um, impact um, because a lot of colon cancer organizations wanted to do some work with me. And, um, you know, I think, again, music is very powerful. We we don't know why there's something with melody and the lyrics that really can create a connection. And 
So some of the songs I've written for clients have been about, you know, their nonprofit, like why they started it or about, you know, maybe a health issue that they had that um, they wanted to share with others because um, they want to educate others. So, so I like creating, you know, helping the TEDx stage is more of the ideas. It is story, but your idea is usually rooted through story and music is, you know, your story, but it's like, what do I want to really share with people to maybe advocate for. Wow. So what types of music do you usually sing? Um, so I would say I'm more of a probably country, but I, I love, <laughs> I love 80s music. I'm an 80s girl. <laughs> My band, we usually play 80s music a lot, 80s and 70s and some 90s, but mostly 80s, I would say. I mean, I love like the old rock, Heart, yeah. Pat Benatar, um, you know, the Eagles, like all those old bands. There's, I mean, that generation of music is just awesome. Exactly. Oh, that's so cool. So where do do people get to hear you all, all around the San Diego area? Yeah, so we, my band, we play more in North County, Inland, um, San Diego, but we are venturing out to different places now. So you can, uh, we have a Facebook page, Whiskey on the Rocks, um, that we're on, where we can, you know, we share our, our gig events and stuff. And then, um, yeah, it's just, that is like a, just a fun passion of mine. I, I love music and it's a fun outlet to do on the weekends and, entertain people and again like everybody comes together for music exactly yeah and i also hear that you're an amazing professional organizer <laughs> yeah that's a fun side gig that i do and uh i like cleaning people's mess <laughs> and organizing it that's a pretty that's a pretty awesome skill to have yeah, it's probably my OCD helps a lot because like I, I just like to see everything like lined up and perfect and, you know, um, color coordinated or whatever it might be. But it's a lot of fun because it really brings a lot of relief to people who have, um, you know, who have problems with organizing and, um, you know, it really can change your life and having your space organized, knowing where things are at it, you know, it can be a time saver for things. It can be a money saver. You know, you're purchasing things over and over because you can't find where this is at. You know, I've organized homes where I've found like 10 hammers and I'm like, why do you have 10 hammers? Cause I couldn't find it. And I had to get another one. And, you know, so like, there's so many things about organizing that are really fun and um, it creates new energy. It creates new space, like space energy. It creates conscious energy, I think for, you know, different parts of your home. Like I, I believe that, you know, the, the kitchen is food conscious, you know, my, my meditation area is like my spiritual conscious space. My, the bedroom is like, you know, sleeping and, and, you know, nurturing yourself with sleep and that space, your bathroom's hygiene space. Like there's all these spaces in our house and we should honor each of those spaces because they all have a purpose. I love that. I could definitely use your help. <laughs> <laughs> I'll fly out to to where you're at when I can. <laughs> awesome. 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 I'll take you up on that. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of fun. Great. So so Rochelle, if people are, are wanting to reach out to you about any of these topics, how do they do that? Uh you can go to either Facebook, Instagram, uh Rochelle Babbler, R-A-C-H-E-L-L-E, Babbler, B-A-B-L-E-R, or you can go to my website, uh RochelleBabbler.com and you can message me. Oh, awesome. Yeah. So I, you know, thank you so much for coming on today and helping to really just shed some light on what's going on in the schools and you know what's really kind of happening because. I think there are too many people that just don't really realize what's happening in our schools. They see these trends happening, but 
you know, they're not making the connection about why this is, or, you know, even the fact that these trends can be completely prevented. Like you don't have to go down these, these rabbit holes and, you know, there's so much we can do to restore peace on earth and well-being to humanity. Yeah. And, you know, some people think, oh, this isn't happening here where I live because of X, Y, Z, you know, maybe they think they're more in a conservative place or whatever. It's happening all over. So you really need to get involved. It's your parental duty, I think, to, you know, your child is at a school for six, seven, eight hours a day, Monday through Friday to see what's being taught to them. Um and and just get involved. So again, I think every parent should have um, a say in certain things, especially certain curriculum or content that's being taught to their child, whether they, you know, opt out, you know, there's opt out options. There's, I'm not agreeing with this. I want something else taught, you know, like you have parental rights. So yes. it's just knowing what it is that's being shared to for you to make those decisions that are best for your family. Yeah, you know, and it really is an obligation to help your children be as yeah. healthy and whole as possible and to really be active. You know, it's kind of part of the right, you know, the obligation as a parent to make sure that your children are being treated with dignity and honor and respect and have the ability to speak out for themselves so that they always feel safe to speak to the parents and to let them know what's on their hearts and in their minds. For sure. So thank you so much for all that you do to, to help with everybody with the TEDx stage was advocating for children and uh, and organizing and singing and it's just it's beautiful to watch your growth and to see all of the amazing things that you are doing so thank you so much for bringing them here with us today thank you so much for having me lisa i appreciate it welcome so everyone thank you so much please go to rochellebabbler.com and find out more about Rochelle and how you can work with her. If you are watching on YouTube or listening on Connecting You to You Radio, just check the show notes and the link will be in there. So thank you all for joining us today. I'm Lisa Warner. I'm the author of The Simplicity of Self-Healing and creator of Solution Sunday because being the soul you are, the grand being of light you are, is the solution. So. <laughs> Until next week, create for yourselves a beautiful week. Bye for now, everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode of Connecting You to You Radio. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and share it with your friends. Are you ready to discover more about how simple healing your body can actually be when you do it from the higher wisdom of your soul? To learn more about what I do, and how you can work with me, visit connectingyoutoyou.com and get on my mailing list to be the first to know about my latest offerings. If you'd like to interact with me on Facebook, please join my group, Soul Sourced Healing. Check the show notes below for these links and more. I hope to see you again next time on Connecting You to You Radio.